The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 325. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You'll find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com, where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class, and those that enroll get the best deals on forthcoming courses. So you should do that. I've got a new course coming up, probably within two weeks or so. It's going to be an awesome course. You're going to want it, and you're going to hear about it first if you're already a member of McClanahan Academy. You can also support the show by going to brianmclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. Get your Brian McClanahan book plates there if you want my autograph on one of my books. You just order a book plate and I send it out to you. I've got a new book out, of course, too, Southern Scribblings. It's a fantastic collection of 60 essays on all things Southern. So you're going to want to get that. It's, it's really good. Ben Cooter Jones provided the foreword to it. So you don't want to miss that. It's, it's a great book. Also, you can support the show by going to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That is my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. You can go out there Enroll there, buy, some, buy a membership there. I teach there along with Tom Woods and a host of other great faculty members, so you want to get that too. And of course, please, if you like the podcast, share it around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends, with your enemies. Get people to like it. Comment. Send me suggestions. Get engaged with the show. Go out to that Brian McClanahan website. Click on the Shop tab. Get your Brian McClanahan Show gear. So you can wear it around, advertise it that way. The more people we get thinking locally and acting locally, the better off we're going to be in America moving forward. And that's really what this is all about. We want that Think Locally, Act Locally movement to take hold. And so we're going to do that one listener at a time. All right. Let's talk about the topic of the day. New book's out today, edited by Paul Gottfried. And it's a fabulous book, fantastic. I got an advanced copy of it. Um, but I would highly recommend getting it. The Vanishing Tradition, Perspectives on American Conservatism. It's a collection of essays having to do with what happened to American conservatism in the last 30 years in particular, but really in the post-war period. Now, there is a fantastic book on post-war conservatism uh, written by a man named Nash, and it is just outstanding. Um, let me let me get the title for it for you. Um, let me see here. I haven't. Um, it is the conservative intellectual movement since 1945 in America since 1945. George Nash. Uh, I couldn't think of the title off the top of my head, but it's a it is a fantastic book. You should get it because it goes through a lot of the things that deal with modern American conservatism. Came out in 1976 and was revived in, revised in 1996. Uh, ISI uh, publishes the book. Uh, and I've talked a lot about on this particular show the problem with people like Glenn Beck and others who parrot 
this neoconservative, conservative Inc. proposition nation dogma that's just completely incorrect. And this particular book, by edited again by Paul Gottfried, hammers that proposition nation fallacy and completely destroys it, in my opinion. And I want to focus on one essay in particular, and it's the very first essay in the book by Jack Kerwick. Um, I have reviewed uh, one of Jack Kerwick's collection of essays at Abbeville Institute, and I want to go over this particular essay and a part of this essay because I think he lays out what's happening with American conservatism quite clearly. I mean, this is a very good part of this essay. The subsection of this particular essay is neoconservatism, big conservatism, the big con, the commitment to AE, which he means by American exceptionalism. You hear that. If you listen to Rush Limbaugh, if you listen to Sean Hannity, you listen to Glenn Beck, you listen to all the talking heads, you watch Fox News, you do any of that, you listen to all of that, you're going to get the idea that America is exceptional. And when Barack Obama came out and said, well, I don't know about that, America's... It's not that exceptional. Boy, these people went ballistic. Because you see, that is going against the religion of neoconservatism. If you say there's no American exceptionalism, well, then you are spitting in a neoconservative's face. Now, I do believe that America is exceptional in some ways, but not the way they say it. It is an extension of Western civilization, of Greek and Roman and English antecedents, And so America has been built on these things. It is the full expression, in many ways, of those antecedents. But what we have done, what conservatives have done, which has undermined their own position entirely. I mean, if you are an American conservative and you are defending the proposition nation, which Lincoln, of course, this is where you get back to Lincoln, which Lincoln outlined in the Gettysburg Address, where all men are created equal. This is, this is what Lincoln said America is dedicated to, and Couric, of course, points this out in the chapter as well. Then you are undermining your entire position of American conservatism, because essentially what you are doing, as Gary Wills pointed out, you are revolutionizing the revolution. You are making the revolution more revolutionary. And that's problematic, because... By doing so, you are opening the door to the left to take hold of America. I mean, this is the idea that America has never really been conservative. There's no traditional American conservative out there. They're all just leftists. Now, I think that's completely wrong. But there is no real American conservative tradition. That's the narrative. It's all built on some type of enlightenment, rationalism, slash uh, proposition nation nonsense. I think that's incorrect. There is a type of American conservatism that's there, that's rooted in something, it's rooted in place. And this really gets back to the Southern tradition. There's also a great essay in this book by Boyd Cathy on Southern conservatives. And I think you can't have American conservatism without the South. You can't have it at all. It just doesn't exist. It's not saying there weren't conservatives in the North. Of course there were. And this new class I've got I'm working on, I mean, I'm I'm committed to getting this thing done pretty quickly. I'm going to get into some of that stuff. But 
The fact is, uh, American conservatism, what passes for American conservatism now, is not really conservative at all. Because it's defending a revolutionary principle. And once you defend revolutionary principles, then the revolution will consume you. It has to happen. Now, I want to read parts of this. He says, uh, quote, Alan Bloom is a neoconservative academic whose book, The Closing of the American Mind, almost instantly became a classic within big conservatism. Bloom articulated what was in the 1980s a standard neoconservative conception of American identity. It belongs unmistakably to the rationalist style of politics that conservatives have always vehemently opposed. Bloom's vision of America thoroughly informs the present version of what is viewed as conservative thought. Republican politicians and media personalities pay constant tribute to Bloom's picture of America as the embodiment of, quote, the rational principles of natural right. American patriots should be committed to this idea in a way that disallows any consideration of race, class, gender, religion, or ethnicity. America is the liberal democracy par excellence, the regime of equality and liberty, of the rights of man, and indeed the regime of reason. Bloom's account of America is the proverbial textbook illustration of rationalist philosophy, an abstract metaphysic bound up with the imperative to universalize our practice of liberal democracy. America is seen as unique among the history of nations insofar as, as it is founded on or expresses a set of propositions. From this perspective, as Irving Kristol, a man widely regarded as the godfather of neoconservative, puts it, America is a creedal nation. And because its creed affirms the principle of equal natural rights to which Jefferson gave expression in the Declaration of Independence, we should be steadily advancing our universal creed. Indeed, America is blessed with a civilizing mission to promote its values around the planet. We should proudly embrace our identity as an ideological nation. That is, I think, Kerwick gets to the core problem of the issue. But I think one thing Kerwick misses in all of this Certainly it's there, and pointing to Jefferson as the man they cling on to through Lincoln. But the reality is, this is Puritan ideology that created this entire mess to begin with. It's the idea of the shining city upon a hill. Now, we can, we can debate as to how influential, or what, what Winthrop, or Weintrip as he would have been called, intended to be meant by that, but, or how far he wanted it to go. But certainly, if you go back and you read colonial documents, people commenting on the history of different areas or of culture, they point out how pervasive this was, particularly when you get to the Great Awakening in America, and how the George Whitfield acolytes wanted to spread this throughout America. And if you weren't like them, they were going to force you to be like them. And I talked about this with the Karens and looking at culture there and how important Puritan culture was in forcing people to be like them. And if you did not, they threw you in jail. You could be thrown in jail for being a dissident. This is exactly what conservatism has become. If you don't, and, and Gottfried has a great essay on the end of all the purges that have taken place and American conservatism, of course, haphazard. They don't really have any rhyme or reason at times, except if you're buddies with them. But certainly purges have taken place. And because of that, people have been ruined. This is 
the Puritan vision of America. The city upon a hill. As Reagan famously said, I mean, he, he, he quoted Winthrop. This is the big con. He said, Jack Kerwick continues, Thus we have statements from Bloom and Crystal, both leading lights of the big con about A.E. But they are far from the only conservative dignitaries who have held forth on this subject. William J. Bennett, who served in the Reagan and Bush administrations, and who up until his retirement was employed as a nationally syndicated talk radio host for Salem Broadcasting and as a contributor for Fox News, commends America's founders for having done what allegedly no one else had ever achieved. They shaped a new nation on the basis of a new self-evident truth that all men are created equal. America is grounded in this principle, and it's, and it's the ideals of freedom and equality. America is unique among the nations of the world insofar as it is a country tied together in loyalty to a principle. But you see, if you go back and you look at the founding period, you don't find this. <laughs> These people were tied together not by that, but by a union for common interests and common good for the union. But each state culturally was different. They all recognized this. They weren't tied together about some principle. They didn't say these things. Bennett Salem colleague, nationally syndicated talk radio host and big conservative columnist Dennis Prager enthusiastically endorses A.E. Belief in this concept, according to Prager, arises from the Judeo-Christian character of America's values. These values have universal applicability, are eminently exportable, and should be applicable to every society in the world. See, everybody should do this. Take our democracy or you die. This is, this is where you get into foreign policy. And, and Kerwick does a nice job explaining how that would work. Particularly when he says this. He says, It is worth quoting from a broad sample of representatives of big conservatism, lest there be any doubt in the reader's mind that the big con unequivocally affirms through A.E. that America is an idea or a proposition. A.E. is every bit as rationalist, and planetary in its content as the, allegedly, as the alleged rights of man against which conservatives in earlier times fought. That's important. You see, what modern conservatives have done is taken essentially the French Revolution and made it their own. And if you do that, if you look at what's happening, say, with American monuments, when conservatives, well, we need to take down the Southern monuments because they don't embody good American principles. And the world's, they're going to leave the Founding Fathers alone because they're great. <gasps> Ooh, you want to take down George Washington? No, you can't do that. Don't do that. That, that guy's good. Don't take down Grant. That guy, what they have done is take down one, you take them all down. Because the left won't stop. They don't care if you're, you're trying to split hairs here. All these people to them are bad because they're all part of what they consider to be an unjust system that they've lived in. This is why conservatives are their own worst enemies. Neoconservatives, anyways. They're terrible. He says, Whatever other material considerations undoubtedly motivate the movers and shakers of the big con, it is critical for its friends and especially its enemies to recognize three things. One, there is a, philo a philosophy lurking behind the policy prescriptions that the men and women of this big con embrace. This philosophy, too, this philosophy is a variant of that rationalism and its world-embracing claims against which conservatives have traditionally taken a stand. And three, the metaphysical and political moral postulates of the big con's rationalist philosophy are to be found lodged in its doctrine of American exceptionalism. And he says there is still another crucial point to be grasped. A.E. is a political religion a set of political beliefs to which 
Universal moral and spiritual significance has been assigned. The noblest ideas, equality, natural rights, democracy, supposedly became incarnate in this geographical re uh, region of the world within a specific people and during a specific time. The logos, as it were, assumed flesh in this situation, but until now the world of time and space has precluded Americans from fully actualizing the idea everywhere. Still the sacred idea is forever beckoning to us to work more diligently on its behalf. Moreover, this vision of AE is quintessentially progressivist. It is a form of progressivism that presupposes a linear conception of time. In the end, if all goes well, we will see the full realization of that idea that America is both here and everywhere else on the planet. It is progressivist. This is the problem. They undermine their own position. Neoconservatives are destroying America. I mean, this is because you see, the, we, everyone knows what the left is going to do. But if they have no allies on the right, they couldn't get any of this done. You see, you look at the first two years of the Trump administration. Donald Trump comes into office promising things. We're going to build a border wall. These are, these are traditionally not even just conservative, right? I mean, for years, the... Blue-collar left one of these things as well. We're gonna, we, don't, we want low immigration. That doesn't fit with the neoconservative American exceptionalist position of the world. We're going to have a border wall. We're going to have, it, it, was a, it was talking about the culture war. We're going to push back against political correctness and all the other nonsense that's going on in America. Well, what happened? The neoconservatives attacked him with their allies on the left because these neoconservatives really are leftists. They're progressives. They attacked and they attacked relentlessly, and Trump had to play defense almost from the first day he took office. Even before he took office, he was playing defense. And, he, and the sad thing is, he brought these idiots into his administration. And they, of course, stabbed him in the back every which way they could. Because, you see, Donald Trump does not represent this American exceptionalist neoconservative side of the coin. One thing Trump said, he wanted to get the United States out of all these foreign wars. Well, that is the very opposite of what these neoconservatives want to do, as Kerwick points out in this particular chapter. He says, The more honest or more consistent members of the big con do not hide certain facts from us, that they are of the left, and in their approach to international relations explicitly expansionist in the traditions of the French and Bolshevik revolutions. Douglas Murray, an unqualified apologist for the big con, informs us that his friends are interested in erasing tyrannies and spreading democracy. This lofty goal requires interventionism, nation building, and many of the other difficulties that have had long occurred concern traditional conservatives. And the well-known sociologist Nathan Glazer, editor of the, of the late big conservative journal Public Interest, goes so far as to suggest that neocons are, are essentially socialists. This is true. These, all, these people are progressives. They just want a soft new deal. They want Wilsonian foreign policy. This is the problem. We have two leftist political factions in America, and real conservatism isn't even there anymore. The libertarians have been booted out, as Paul Gottfried talks about. Anyone, Southern conservatives, persona non grata, because they represent something else entirely. You see, Trump was elected based on something that the neoconservatives despised. And that was a position of anti-interventionism, 
and somewhat of a traditional cultural position of America, even though Trump never was that. But these neoconservatives despise it. They hate it. And so they were going to get him. Kerwick says, the creed that America is an idea implies that America, like any other idea, cannot be limited geographically. America, the liberal democracy par excellence, as Alan Bloom referred to it, should seek to bring democratic ideas to those benighted parts of the world that are still not blessed with this treasure. Moreover, since AE is based on an idea and technical knowledge about achieving its practice, anyone from anywhere should be able to become American with a bit of instruction. One thing that was interesting back in the, uh, in, during the Gulf War, Joe Biden actually had a moment of clarity that no one else, I mean, he was smacked down very quickly, but he said, you know what, maybe Iraq should just be three, three countries. Maybe we should split it all up again. Ooh, well, that didn't work with the big con. That didn't work with American exceptionalists because what Biden was saying is maybe these people aren't really adapted to American democracy. Maybe they should be able to have their own political institutions. But you see, this is part of nation building. Everyone can just be a good American if you just teach them. But this ignores political culture. Do we really think that China, with a civilization older in many cases than Western civilization, would really adopt American views on society and culture? Of course they wouldn't. Or how about the Middle East, which, of course, is also older culturally than Western civilization, at least parts of it. Do you really think people that have had long established political culture would be willing to somehow throw that off for American democracy, American political order? Of course not. This is why we're always shocked when we see things going on in the Middle East that don't fit with American political culture. Why? Because they're not part of Western civilization. And we shouldn't expect to put a square peg in a round hole. They have their own political culture, their own set of standards and norms and values that Americans should not be trying to enforce our own on them. This is a Yankee idea. It's what we go back to with Yankeeism. It's what we go back to with the culture of Puritan Massachusetts and why it's so dangerous, not just for America, but for the world. You see. Therein lies the problem. And again, Kerwick doesn't get into this because I think even here he's missing that, missing that cultural connection. Culture matters. You know, I was never really interested that much in cultural history until you started getting into it a little bit and you said, oh my gosh, wait a second here. This is what happens with this is that these people live like this and they expect everyone else to do this and because of their culture. People naturally want to be around people like them. But what happens with New England is they want everyone to be like them. And if you're not, you go to jail. Whereas in the South, something else was happening there. And it didn't mean that Southerners didn't want in their own little communities people to be like them, because they did. But they didn't extend it out beyond that. Now, we've seen American imperialists that are from the South. There's no doubt about it. They were caught up in this Cold War hysteria. And I think the Cold War gave it cover. The Cold War gave the neoconservatives, the Wilsonians, cover. Oh, well, we've got to beat back communists, so we're going to go and make everybody like us. It was just cover for that. As a representative of big conservatism, which is fundamentally at odds with the classical old right conservatism of Patrick Buchanan, Shapiro, Ben Shapiro accuses the uh, 
the latter of being an arch-isolationist who cho chooses to ignore America's need to become an empire. In pursuit of this geopolitical and ideological goal, America must be willing to act preemptively, as when it invaded Iraq. A similar step should be taken to spread democracy throughout the Islamic world. The United States should be ready to attack Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Egypt, Pakistan, and others without warning, since preemption is the chief weapon of a global empire. Empire, empire not be easy, Shapiro says, but it is right and good, both for Americans and for the world. Now, this is interesting because, of course, Tucker Carlson has made quite a lot of noise on Fox News as the number one show there by working against this position. You see, Americans are naturally not Wilsonian, neoconservative, American exceptionalist, big government people. They are naturally Jeffersonian. This is what, in one of my essays on in my Southern Scribblings, you've got to get that book. I talk about Jimmy Carter and, more importantly, Pat Cadell, who wrote his crisis of confidence speech, which people have called, uh, you know, the American malaise, you know, or uh, the, the way people looked at it like, oh, we're blaming America. No, what he was saying here is that Americans are just Jeffersonians. They're not these expansionist imperialists. It's a real place and a real people. It's not some idea. So I love this particular chapter. This is such a good book. The title of the book is uh, The Vanishing Tradition, Perspectives on American Conservatism by Paul Gottfried. Out today, it's July 15th, came out today. So you're going to want to get it. Run out to Amazon right now, pick it up, or wherever you get books, Barnes & Noble. I know a lot of people are anti-Amazon. Go out and get it because it is a fantastic, fantastic book. All right. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I will see you next time. <laughs>